Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse with the link atop for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also at that website, there's an option to subscribe for a daily excellent email, including both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading. Actually, we're completing our reading of Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, with Section 5, The Obstacles to Peace. Uh, subsection D, we'll be reading The Lifting of the Veil, beginning with paragraph 97. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 222. God is with me. I live and breathe in Him. And by way of opening this morning, I'd just so love to share this poem from Ranger Maria Rilke entitled, I Believe in All That Has Never Yet Been Spoken. I believe in all that has never yet been spoken. I want to free what waits within me so that what no one has dared to wish for may for once spring clear without my contriving. If this is arrogant, God, forgive me, but this is what I need to say. May what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back, the way it is with children. Then in these swelling and ebbing currents, these deepening tides moving out, returning, I will sing you as no one ever has, streaming through widening channels into the open sea. God is with me. I live and breathe in him. Amen. Thank you, Thanks Lord. Thanks for that. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful poem, isn't it? Thanks, you guys. Absolutely. Here's our reading list this morning. We have Fran... Lemoyne, Robin Marie, and Karen. And so far, we're joined in listening by Judy and Harrison. I wonder if anyone else has come along this morning would like to be on the radio list or say good morning. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Morning. It's Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. And I did forget to take off the tones, so thank you. (laughs) There we go. Okay. So, for the stupendous ending of Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, in Section 5, The Obstacles to Peace, Subsection D, The Lifting of the Veil. 97. 
forget not that you came this far together. And it was surely not the ego that led you here. No obstacle to peace can be surmounted through its help. It does not open up its secrets and bid you look on them and go beyond them. It would not have you see its weakness and learn it has no power to keep you from the truth. The guide who brought you here remains with you. And when you raise your eyes, you will be ready to look on terror with no fear at all. But first, step your eyes and look upon each other in innocence born of complete forgiveness of each other's illusions and through the eyes of faith which sees them not. Um, friend. The lifting of the veil. Forget not that you came this far together, and it was surely not the ego that led you here. No obstacle to peace can be surmounted through its help. It does not open up its secrets and bid you look on them and go beyond them. It would not have you see its weakness and learn it has no power to keep you from the truth. The guy who brought you here remains with you, and when you raise your eyes, you will be ready to look on terror with no fear at all. But first, lift up your eyes and look upon each other in innocence, born of complete forgiveness of each other's illusions and through the eyes of faith which sees them not. 98. No one can look upon the fear of God unterrified unless he has accepted the atonement and learned lessons that learned illusions are not real. No one can stand before this obstacle alone, for he could not have reached thus far unless his brother walked beside him. And no one would dare to look on it without complete forgiveness of his brother in his heart. Stand you here a while and tremble not. You will be ready. Let us join together in a holy instant, here in this place where the purpose given in a holy instant has led you. And let us join in faith that he who brought us here together will offer you the innocence you need and that you will accept it for my love and his. Thank you, Fran. And good morning. No one can look upon the fear of God unterrified unless he has accepted the atonement and learned illusions are not real. No one can stand before this obstacle alone, for he could not have reached thus far unless his brother walked beside him. And no one would dare to look on it without complete forgiveness of his brother in his heart. Stand you here a while and tremble not. You will be ready. Let us join together in a holy instant here in this place where the purpose given in a holy instant has led you. And let us join in faith that he who brought us here together will offer you the innocence you need and that you will accept it for my love and his. Nor is it possible to look on this too soon. This is the place to every this is the place to which everyone must come 
when he is ready. Once he has found his brother, he is ready. Yet merely to reach the place is not enough. A journey without a purpose is still meaningless. And even when it is over, it seems to make no sense. How can you know that it is over unless you realize its purpose is accomplished? Here with the journey's end before you, you see its purpose. And it is here you choose whether to look upon it or wander on, only to return and make the same choice again. Thank you, Lemoyne and Bravo Marie. Ninety-nine, nor is it possible to look on this too soon. This is the place to which everyone must come when he is ready. Once he has found his brother, he is ready. Yet merely to reach the place is not enough. A journey without a purpose is still meaningless. And even when it is over, it seems to make no sense. How can you know that it is over? unless you realize its purpose is accomplished. Here, with the journey's end before you, you see its purpose, and it is here you choose whether to look upon it or wander on, only to return and make the choice again. 100. To look upon the fear of God does need some preparation. Only the same can look on stark insanity and raving madness with pity and compassion, but not with fear. For only if they share in it does it seem fearful. And you do share it in it until you look upon each other with perfect faith and love and tenderness. Before complete forgiveness, you still stand unforgiving. You are afraid of God because you fear each other. Those you do not forgive, you fear. And no one reaches love with fear beside him. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 100. To look upon the fear of God does need some preparation. Only the same can look on stark insanity and raving madness with pity and compassion but not with fear. For only if they share in it does it seem fearful. And you do share in it until you look upon each other with perfect faith and love and tenderness. Before complete forgiveness, you still stand unforgiving. You are afraid of God because you fear each other. Those you do not forgive, you fear and no one reaches love with fear beside him. 101. This brother who still, excuse me, this brother who stands beside you still seems to be a stranger. You do not know him, and your interpretation of him is very fearful. And you attack him still to keep what seems to be yourself unharmed, yet in his hands, 
is your salvation. You see his madness, which you hate because you share it, and all the pity and forgiveness that would heal it gives way to fear. Brothers, you need forgiveness of each other, for you will share in madness or in heaven together, and you will raise your eyes in faith together or not at all. Thank you, Karen and Sandra. What paragraph are we on, please? Oh, you're going to be reading 101 and 102. Thank you. This brother who stands beside you still seems to be a stranger. You do not know him, and your interpretation of him is very fearful. And you attack him still to keep what seems to be yourself unharmed. Yet in his hands is your salvation. You see his madness, which you hate, because you share it. And all the pity and forgiveness that would heal, it gives you way to fear. And all the pity and forgiveness that would heal it gives way to fear. Brothers, you need forgiveness of each other, for you will share in madness or in heaven together, and you will raise your eyes in faith together or not at all. 102. Besides, each of you is one who offers you the chalice of atonement, for the Holy Spirit is in him. Would you hold his sins against him or accept his gift to you? Is this giver of salvation your friend or enemy? Choose which he is, remembering that you will receive of him according to your choice. He has in him the power to forgive your sins as you for him. Neither can give it to himself alone. And yet your Savior stands beside each And yet your Savior stands beside each one. Let him be what he is and seek not to make of love an enemy. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, Do we have a new reader for 102 and 103? This is Jessica. I can read. Thank you, Jessica. Okay. 103. Beside each of you is one who offers you... I think you wanted to read 102 and 103. 102 and 103. Oh, you were doing that. I beg your pardon. Yes, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Pardon me. That's quite all right. Beside each of you is one who offers you the chalice of atonement. For the Holy Spirit is in him. Would you hold his sins against him or accept his gift to you? Is this giver of salvation your friend or enemy? Choose which he is, remembering that you will receive of him according to your choice. He has in him the power to forgive your sins as you for him. Neither and give it to himself alone. 
And yet your Savior stands beside each one. Let him be what he is and seek not to make of love an enemy. Behold your, 103, behold your friend, the Christ who stands beside you. How holy and how beautiful he is. You thought he sinned because you cast the veil of sin upon him to hide his holiness, his loveliness. Yet still he holds forgiveness out to you to share his holiness. This, quote, enemy, this, quote, stranger, still offers you salvation as his friend. Yes. I'm not hearing anything over here, Robin Marie. Yes, I'm not. I'm not either. And Jessica, did you drop off? Oh no! Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I I do the the uh, the email list, and it looked like it ended. So I'm gonna go now and look at what I what I missed. Sorry to keep you waiting. Um, well, that's quite alright, dear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah I, I thought there was only one letter mi- missing, but I guess it was more than that. Um, it was many paragraphs. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah. The, this quote enemy, this quote stranger, still offers you salvation as his friend. The quote enemies of Christ the worshippers of sin know not whom they attack. This is your brother, crucified by sin and waiting for release from pain. Would you not offer him forgiveness when only he can offer it to you? For his redemption, he will give you yours as surely as God created every living thing and loves it. And he will give it truly, for it will be both offered and received. There. <laughs> and there you go. Thank you, Jessica. Oh, let's see. So is there a new reader then for 103 and 104? This is Donna. I can read. Thank you, Donna. One oh three. Behold your friend, the Christ who stands beside you. How holy and how beautiful he is. You thought he sinned because you cast the veil of sin upon him to hide his loveliness. Yet still he holds forgiveness out to you to share his his holiness. Uh, 
you you thought he sinned because you cast the veil of sin upon him to hide his loveliness. Yet still, he holds forgiveness out to you to share his holiness. The, quote, enemy, this, quote, stranger, still offers you salvation as his friend. The, quote, enemies of Christ, the worshipers of sin, know not whom they attack. This is your brother, crucified by sin and waiting for release from pain. Would you not offer him forgiveness when only he can offer it to you? For his redemption, he will give you yours as surely as God created every living thing and loves it. And he will give it truly, for it will be both offered and received. 104. There is no grace of heaven that you cannot offer to each other and receive from your most holy friend. Let him, hope, let him withhold it not, for by receiving it, you offer it to him. For he will receive of you what you received of him. Redemption has been given you to give each other and thus receive it. Whom you forgive is free, and what you give you share. Forgive the sins your brother thinks he has committed and all the guilt you think you see in him. Thank you, Donna. And would there be a new reader for 104 and 105? New reader for 104 and 105. All right, Ephraim, back to you. 104. <clears throat> there is no grace of heaven that you cannot offer to each other and receive from your most holy friend. Let him withhold it not, for by receiving it you offer it to him, for he will receive of you what you received of him. Redemption has been given you to give each other and must receive it. Whom you forgive is free, and what you give you share. Forgive the sins your brother thinks he has committed and all the guilt you think you see in him. 105. Here is the holy place of resurrection to which we come again, to which we will return until redemption is accomplished and received. Think who your brother is before you would condemn him and offer thanks to God that he is holy and has been given the gift of holiness for you. Join him in gladness and remove all trace of guilt from his disturbed and tortured mind. Help him to lift the heavy burden of sin you laid upon him, and he accept it as his own, and toss it lightly and with happy laughter away from him. Press it not like thorns against his brow, nor nail him to it on redeemed and hopeless. Thank you, Fran and Lemoyne.
Here is the holy place of resurrection to which we come again, to which we will return until redemption is accomplished and received. Think who your brother is before you would condemn him, and offer thanks to God that he is holy and has been given the gift of holiness for you. Join him in gladness and remove all trace of guilt from his disturbed and tortured mind. Help him to lift the heavy burden of sin you laid upon him and he accepted as his own, and toss it lightly and with happy laughter away from him. Press it not like thorns against his brow, nor nail him to it unredeemed and hopeless. Give each other faith, for faith and hope and mercy are yours to give. Into the hands that give, the gift is given. Look on your brother and see in him the gift of God you would receive. It is almost Easter, the time of resurrection. Let us give redemption to each other and share in it that we may rise as one in resurrection and not separate in death. Behold the gift of freedom that I gave the Holy Spirit for both of you, and be you free together as you offer to the Holy Spirit this same gift. And giving it, receive it of him in return for what you gave. He leadeth you and me together that we might meet here in this holy place and make the same decision. Thank you, Lemoyne and Rabbi Marie. One of six. Give each other faith, for faith and hope and mercy are yours to give. Into the hands that give the gift is given. Look on your brother and see in him the gift of God you would receive. It is almost Easter, the time of resurrection. Let us give redemption to each other and share in it, that we may rise as one in resurrection and not separate in death. Behold the gift of freedom that I gave the Holy Spirit for both of you, and be you free together as you offer to the Holy Spirit the same gift, and giving it, receive it of him in return for what you gave. He leadeth you and me together, that we might meet here in this holy place and make the same decision. 107. Free your brother here, as I freed you, as I freed you. Give him the self-same gift, nor look upon him with condemnation of any kind. See him as guiltless as I look on you, and over the look the sins he thinks he sees within himself. Offer each other freedom and complete release from sin. 
here in the garden of seeming agony and death. So will we prepare together the way unto the resurrection of God's Son and let him rise again to glad remembrance of his Father who knows no sin, no death, but only life eternal. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 107. Free your brother here as I freed you. Give him the self-same gift, nor look upon him with condemnation of any kind. See him as guiltless as I look on you and overlook the sins he thinks he sees within himself. Offer each other freedom and complete release from sin here in the garden of seeming agony and death. So will we prepare together the way unto the resurrection of God's Son and let him rise again to glad remembrance of his Father who knows no sin, no death, but only eternal life. 108. Together we will disappear into the presence beyond the veil, not to be lost but found, not to be seen but known, and knowing nothing in the plan of God, excuse me, and knowing nothing in the plan God has established for salvation will be left undone. This is the journey's purpose without which is the journey meaningless. Here is the peace of God given you, given to you eternally by him. Here is the rest and quiet that you seek, the reason for the journey from its beginning. Heaven is the gift you owe each other, the debt of gratitude you owe to the Son of God in thanks for what he is and what his father created him to be. Thank you, Karen. And Sandra. Think carefully how you would look upon the giver of this gift. Oh, sorry, I missed up here. 108, right? Yes, thank you. Together yes, we will disappear. Together we will disappear into the presence beyond the veil, not to be lost but found, not to be seen but known, and knowing nothing in the plan God has established for salvation will be left undone. This is the journey's purpose, without which is the journey meaningless. Here is the peace of God given to you eternally by him. Here is the rest and quiet that you seek, the reason for the journey from its beginning. Heaven is the gift you owe each other, the debt of gratitude you offer to the Son of God in thanks for what he is and what his Father created him to be. Think carefully how you would look upon the giver of this gift. For as you look upon him, so will the gift itself appear to be. 
as he is seen as either the giver of guilt or of salvation, so will his offering be seen and so received. The crucified give pain because they are in pain, but the redeemed give joy because they have been healed of pain. Everyone gives as he receives, but he must choose what it will be that he receives. And he will recognize his choice by what he gives and what is given him. Nor is it given anything, nor is it given anything in hell or heaven to interfere with his decision. Thank you, Sandra. Jessica. Thank you. Oh, geez. Where did it go? Oh, my goodness. Okay, here we go. Um, 109? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Um, Think carefully how you would look upon the giver of this gift. For as you look on him, so will the gift itself appear to be. As he is seen as either the giver of guilt or of salvation, so will this offering be seen and so received. The crucified give pain because they are in pain, but the redeemed give joy because they have been healed of pain. Everyone gives as he receives, but he must choose what it will be that he receives. And he will recognize his choice by what he gives and what is given him. Nor is it given anything in hell or heaven to interfere with his decision. 110. You came this far because the journey was your choice. And no one undertakes to do what he believes is meaningless. What you had faith in still is faithful and watches over you in faith so gentle, yet so strong, that it would lift you far beyond the veil and place the Son of God safely within the sure protection of his Father. Here is the only purpose that gives this world and the long journey through the world, whatever meaning lies in them. Beyond this, they are meaningless. You stand together, still without conviction, they have a purpose. Yet it is given you to see this purpose in your holy friend and recognize it is your own. Thank you, Jessica. Donna. 110. You came this far because the journey was your choice. And no one undertakes to do what he believes is meaningless. What you had faith in still is faithful and watches over you in faith, so gentle yet so strong that it would lift you far above the veil 
and place the Son of God safely within the sure protection of his Father. Here is the only purpose that gives this world and the long journey through this world whatever meaning lies in them. Beyond this, they are meaningless. You stand together still without conviction. They have a purpose. Beyond this, they are meaningless. You stand together still without conviction. They have a purpose. Yet it is given you to see this purpose in your holy friend and recognize it is your own. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, everyone who read this morning. Oh, this is so beautiful section. Just to touch on a few before we um, before we take our holy pause at the top of the hour. Um, I wanted to highlight a couple of things. The guide who brought you here remains with you. And when you raise your eyes, you will be ready to look on terror with no fear at all. But first, look, lift up your eyes and look upon each other in innocence born of complete forgiveness of each other's illusions and through the eyes of faith, which sees them not. No one can look upon the fear of God unterrified unless he has accepted the atonement and learned that illusions are not real. So let us join together in a holy instant here in this place where the purpose given in a holy instant has led you. Let us join in faith that he who brought us here together will offer you the innocence you need and that you will accept for my love and his. In 109, this is the place to which everyone must come when he is ready. Once he has found his brother, he is ready. In 101, brothers, you need forgiveness of each other, for you will share in madness or in heaven together, and you will raise your eyes and face together or not at all. One or two beside each of you is one who offers you the chalice of atonement, for the Holy Spirit is in him. You will receive of him according to your choice. He has in him the power to forgive your sins as you for him. Neither can give it to himself alone. And yet your Savior stands beside each one. Let him be what he is and seek not to make of love an enemy. I think there's one unmuted line. In 103, behold your friend, the Christ who stands beside you. How holy and how beautiful he is. Would you not offer him forgiveness when only he can offer it to you? Redemption has been given you to give to each other. Tapping tapping a line, I'm sorry. Redemption has been given you to give to each other and thus receive it. Whom you forgive is free and what you give you share. 105, this is the holy place of resurrection. 
to which we come again, to which we will return until redemption is accomplished and received. Think who your brother is before you would condemn him and offer thanks to God that he is holy and has been given the gift of holiness for you. Join him in gladness and remove all trace of guilt from his disturbed and tortured mind. Help him to lift the heavy burden of sin you laid upon him and he accepted as his own and toss it lightly with happy laughter away from him. Give each other faith for faith and hope and mercy are yours to give. Into the hands that give the gift is given. Look on your brother and see in him the gift of God you would receive. So we will prepare the way together into the resurrection of God's Son and let him rise again to glad remembrance of his Father who knows no sin, no death, but only life eternal. Together, together, we will disappear into the capital presence beyond the veil, not to be lost, but found not to be seen, but known. And knowing nothing in the plan God has established for salvation will be left undone. This is the journey's purpose, without which is the journey meaningless. Here is the peace of God, given to you eternally by Him. Here is the rest and quiet that you seek, the reason for the journey from its beginning. Heaven is the gift you owe each other. The debt of gratitude you offer to the Son of God and thanks for what he is and what his Father created him to be. The redeemed give joy because they have been healed of pain. Everyone gives as he receives, but he must choose what it will be that he receives. And he will recognize his choice by what he gives and what is given him. You came this far because the journey was your choice. And no one undertakes to do what he believes is meaningless. What you had faith in still is faithful and watches over you in faith so gentle yet so strong that it would lift you far beyond the veil and place the Son of God safely within the sure protection of his Father. Here is the only purpose that gives this world and the long journey through it, this world, whatever meaning lies in them. Beyond this, they are meaningless. You stand together, still without conviction. They have a purpose, yet it is given you to see this purpose in your holy capital friend and recognize it is your own. Amen. And let's join together in a moment of recognizing that God is with us, that we live and breathe in him. And for that, we turn to you, Fran, with all our gratitude. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lori. That was good. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. And the theme that we're on now is what is forgiveness? Um, Today, we're on Lesson 222. God is with me. I live and breathe in him. So I'm going to read just two paragraphs from What is Forgiveness, and then we'll 
Um, then I'll read the lesson and we'll do our five-minute practice. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness recognizes what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. It does not pardon sins and make them real. It sees there was no sin. And in this view are all your sins forgiven. What is sin except the false idea about God's Son? Forgiveness merely sees this falsity and therefore lets it go. What then is free to take its place is now the will of God. Do nothing then, and let forgiveness show you what to do through him who is your guide, your savior, your defender, strong in hope, and certain of your ultimate success. He has forgiven you already, for such is his function given him by God. Now must you share his function and forgive whom he has saved, whose sinlessness he sees, and whom he honors as the Son of God. Now we'll move over to lesson 222. I'm going to read one paragraph, I mean one part of the paragraph, and then do the prayer, and then we'll do our five-minute practice. God is with me. I live and breathe in him. God is with me. He is my source of life, the life within, the air I breathe, the food by which I am sustained, the water which renews and cleanses me. He is my home. Father, we have no words except your name under our lips and in our minds as we come quietly into your presence now and ask to rest with you in peace a while. Lesson 222, God is with me. I live and breathe in him. We'll do our five-minute practice.
Lesson 222, God is with me. I live and breathe in him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. This is Donna. And the lesson today, I was reminded of Genesis, where God, where it is written, God saw all that He created and said, "It is very good." And on the seventh day, God rested from all His labor. And often, when I get rattled. I think of that. God rested. That's where we really are. Right now and don't know it. Resting. With the God in his rest, I am complete. Oh, that was beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Hi, this is Robin Marie, and I'm reading in The Lifting of the Veil. Um, it says in paragraph 101, see, yet in his hands is your salvation. You see his madness, which you hate because you share it, and all the pity and forgiveness that would heal it gives way to fear. And I was uh, really struck by the word pity, and and um, and realized that that was a really good way of getting to forgiveness is to just have compassion on what. I am misunderstanding in another or seeing that doesn't make sense to me that I could pity it and forgive it in that way. 
so I I just was struck by that word. Thank you. Thank you, Robert Marie. Thank you, Robin. This is Yogi Chris. I'm just listening. Good morning. So glad you joined us. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about this lesson. Um, God is with me. He is my source of life, the life, the air I breathe. And for me, I I want to be aware that God is with me. I want to choose to see that God is with me and feel that God is with me and when I'm in that space of doing that, it, I experience God with me, and I know that. And um, again, then I know that the water I that renews and cleanses me is God, because God is in my mind, and God is in everything I see, as as a, a previous lesson says. And uh, I like I like that it says he is my home wherein I live and move the spirit which directs my actions offers me its thoughts it guarantees me safety from all pain so for me to experience that home like experience within me I need to be at home within myself my higher self and that to me is being in my heart center being wholehearted and not staying in that heart wherein all this happens, where God directs me, because that's a place of stillness, of of um, open and receptivity, um, and, and and feel like He's covering me with kindness and care and hold and holding me, holding us, uh, as he shines upon us. Uh, and to me, there's the, the point, how still am I who knows the truth? So a still mind is such an important factor of that. Um, and give my wordless mind father we have no words except your name upon our lips our wordless mind to receive his word uh, and, and remain quietly in his presence now not in the future not with the 
burdens of the past and the obstacles from the past, but be in his presence now in quiet, and, and come quietly into that presence. And that's really the foundation for rest and peace. Because when I'm in the moment and I'm in that space, I'm resting in God. My mind is at rest. And, yeah, I could go to Hawaii. I could hop into a hammock and enjoy resting in there. But is my mind resting? As I'm in the hammock, is my mind looking at grievances from the past and filling my mind with that? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm complete. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for clearly reflecting the choice. Thank you, Chris, for letting it rip and letting the the love be expressed as with everybody who gets on the call and shares. It is in the sharing that the ideas that you're sharing grow stronger. So thank you. I'm out. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, this is Sandra. And, um, you know, I've been programmed to think that God is God and that humans are not God. I've been programmed to think that God can do miracles, but I haven't been programmed that humans can do miracles. And in that programming of about God, there are some requirements, which is that I have faith, that I trust. Uh, and so I'm sort of having faith in the programming and trust in the programming. I've been programmed, but there's some limitations there <laughs> because I can't see God. There's no... There, there's no guarantees, um, and it's like, and I have to have faith and trust. And then here I have my brothers and sisters who I, they, I've not been programmed to think that they're God. I've been programmed to think that they're humans and they have faults and they have limitations and they, and, and so I'm afraid of humans. <laughs> but the thing is, I have to, the humans were put here on purpose for me to learn how to forgive in accepting the limitations, my own limitations about being a human, Um, not being, I'm not a human, I am spirit, but I'm having a human experience. So that human experience does, uh, I have an experience of some limitations. I can transcend them. And that's basically why I'm here. But I need to accept until such times that I can transcend those limitations, I need to accept that I am limited and my brothers and sisters are limited and the relationship may be limited. 
and then I can forgive it. It's when I can't accept it that I can't forgive it. And, um, you know, God is in everything I see. I rest in God. Those are all things that comfort me because of the way that I've been programmed to think that God can, can create miracles. But I and my Father are one. So if there's going to be a God here on earth, it's going to be known through me, through my willingness to forgive and to accept the limitations of this body experience. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. A lot of good stuff. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you all for your shares and your reading this morning. Um, Judy. It's Judy. Can you hear me? Yeah, Judy, could I just interject something? Because Robin Marie, I think, is about to leave. And I just wanted to, it's quick, I just wanted to thank her for pointing out the word pity. Because I went and looked, and originally it's like pieta. And in Latin, it's compassion. And, um, or excuse me, it's piety. And then in French, that same kind of sound, peta, became uh, compassion. And then in Middle English, it was about mildness. And, you know, because I, I tend to think of pity as like that there's a kind of pity that you pity somebody because look at them, they're all messed up, and it like, involves a judgment. But he's asking for that piety that sees, you know, compassion and reacts with mildness and Thank you. Only Thank you. That help. was very helpful. Yeah, I like so, that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for doing that. All right. Sorry for the interruption, Judy. Ciao. That was a gift. Thank you both. Oh, I was really glad to hear that. That was wonderful. Thank you. The difference between pity and feeling sorry for someone. That was lovely. I was thinking um, just how connected I feel on the call this morning and just being quiet and listening to you guys read the, the text and having three holy instants. Practice holy instance with someone reading me the instructions um, twice when when you read it and then Lori when you recapped it and then going right into the the practice of the lesson and that being another holy instant and thinking um, you know letting go of all my ideas of what I think I know about the world about myself as an image and everybody else as an image and letting go of everything I think I know about what people think and what people say and, you know, listening to the silence that we join together in practicing the lesson, knowing that you were all still there, that I was still connected with you, even though I couldn't see you. I can't see you over the phone. (laughs) 
<laughs> How obvious is that? And th- that I couldn't hear you any longer to even recognize you by something such as a physical perception of you. But I knew you were all still there. And how I knew you was was the wonderful part about how I felt connected to you. And that would just take too much time. <laughs> but it's been a really good call. Thank you. I love you. And um, the text reading today is just all about letting go of the ego and never looking back and just looking on one another with love and knowing that's all we need from one another. It's as simple as that. No judgment, just love. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I, this is Yogi Chris. I so appreciate um, Lemoyne hearing about piety and that interpretation because for the longest time through a, a certain group, there was a phrase that, that, that said being in the pity pot, pity pot. Um, and it's sort of like an expression who, about someone who's feeling down, upset, self-pitying. Um, they, it's, it's, it's like wallowing in negative, negative emotions and focusing on their own problems or difficulty. Um, it's like a sorry state for oneself. Um, but Lemoyne, I love the, piety and pita, which is very, um, very compassionate. Um, and to me, compassion is the opposite of being in that sorry state where we're being empathic towards, towards ourselves, kind. We're willing to help or support someone else that's challenged in times of difficulty. It goes beyond feeling pity and sympathy towards the other person. And to me, it's taking action to help alleviate that person's suffering. Um, Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Chris. Yes, thank you, Chris. I, I know what of, of what you speak and the, the common usage of that. Get off the pity pot, feeling sorry for yourself, and I think that's a really valid point that Lemoyne makes. Um, the difference between looking down on myself or looking down on someone else from a peer a, a position of superiority, because that is an egoic way of looking at each other, a judgmental way of looking at each other. Because even if I'm doing it to myself, feeling sorry for myself, I'm still comparing myself to others. And the um, idea that compassion is an action, too, I love, Chris. 
So thank you both, both for um, reiterating and in, in Steve's line of thinking, sharing beautiful ideas in order to strengthen them. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you both. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And uh, you probably recognize how many times I returned to this beautiful section when I want to close the call because paragraph 108 says it all to me. But this morning, um, something a little unusual. I sat down uh, for my morning meditation and a thought came into my mind. I'm sure it was a thought of God. Before I ever started my meditation, the thought was, you did not come here for yourself alone. And and I let that thought rest in my mind and, and did the, um, the reading this morning. And a new, a new sentence popped out for me. Um, a really important new sentence. And that was the first sentence in paragraph 110. You came this far because the journey was your choice. Isn't that incredible? I did not come here for myself alone. Put together with the journey was your choice. Um, I mean, just that thought alone uh, brings my mind a tremendous amount of peace. You did not come here for yourself alone. The journey was your choice. It um, it puts a neon flashing light on the word purpose. Did not come here for myself alone. The journey was your choice. I had a purpose, a purpose when I came here. This is the journey's purpose in 108. Heaven is a gift you owe each other, the debt of gratitude to the Son of God for being what he is. This is the journey's purpose, without which is the journey meaningless. Here is the peace of God given you eternally by him, the rest and quiet that you seek, the reason for the journey from the beginning. Heaven is the gift you owe each other. What if I realized truly, what if I realized truly that I came here for that explicit purpose to find and to know, to find and to know? And I was thinking about that this morning and I thought, you know, um, all this talk about forgiving my brother, no one can look upon the fear of God with sanity without first, I'm in paragraph 98 now, without 
First, accepting the atonement for himself. Criteria one. Criteria two. Without his brother, I have to come with my brother. And criteria three, complete forgiveness in his heart. But still we're talking about, in this chapter, beyond the body, beyond the body. Um, and, and when I put it in context, um, it's like the dream we share together, this dream, we're all joined in it to find each other and to know each other. And together we disappear into the presence beyond the veil. All of that has great meaning when I put it in the context of we share this dream in order that we might deeply, deeply, deeply fall into ourselves in the inward journey. I can't make this inward journey to the peace of God, this inward journey to the holy altar in my heart, this inward journey to the knowledge that the Son and the Father are one forever when I have unforgiveness in my heart when I think I'm all by myself alone in this world and when I think that God is separate from me I need this outer aspect I need it to be a reflection of truth before I have strength enough to take the inward journey to the source of light and so it's all a part of God's plan all of it I did not come here for myself alone I did not come here for myself alone I did not come here for myself alone I chose this dream in order that it can be a reflection of truth so that my father might lift me into himself when I make my inward journey to him this is God's plan for me I did not come here for myself I chose it for explicitly this purpose now I have meaning now all of it has great meaning it all has great 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 meaning and significance because now I'm playing to God's song not my own I'm finding and playing to the inner harmony that heaven is singing within my heart constantly I need to recognize that we're in this together that we came for each other so that we might each make that inward journey to the altar of peace I can't do it I can't do that without my brother I can't do that with unforgiveness in my heart and when I meet those those elements when I recognize there's a purpose to this dream my father restores me to reality reality of heaven reality of capital T truth reality of self 
in a certainty that I recognized I could never, ever, ever have found on my own. I must receive innocence. I must receive my innocence. He says explicitly in this work, you cannot give yourself your own innocence. I must recognize, I must recognize my brother as myself. Brothers, you need forgiveness. Now it becomes simple. Now it becomes very simple. Once I I recognize I have no will but that. Any other will but that was my own private dream of hell. I have no dream of that. And as for as for this discussion of seeing truly and and pity, I I was so happy to hear that dialogue about that amongst us. It reminded me of I'm gonna finish quickly here. Reminded me of the poem of Hafiz. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness the astonishing light of your own being. And that just causes my heart to soar when I recognize that's what we're here for, for each other. We chose this so that we might, when we are lonely, or afraid so that we might meet that individual that came explicitly to reflect holiness to me. I remember a time when I was lonely and afraid and thought I was far from home and someone saw me truly and it changed my life. And this is how we, this is how we make the inward journey. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. There's an unmuted line, and I can't tell which one it is. Sorry. Good morning, Karen. Um, I was wondering, I was just wondering if this would be too hard of a request, but um, the obstacles to peace, first one, we don't want peace. The second one, we think the body is valuable for what it offers us. I know the fourth one is the fear of God. I forgot the third one, but for some reason I was having like a mental breeze this past week and a half, and I couldn't even integrate or process what we were reading. And I was just wondering maybe if Gloria Lemoyne would um, briefly, really simply, in simple, simple, simple words, <laughs> review what those obstacles to peace are. Like, I don't want peace. I think I want peace, but I don't want peace because I'm identified with the ego. I don't want to give up certain things about my body, certain pleasures. I mean, I think I know what it means, but I don't really, I'm not really sure. And I totally forgot what the third one is, and I could look it up in my book. But um, because I blanked it out so completely, it must be, like, hard for me to keep it. I read it, I read it over and over. I read the whole thing over and over. 
and still, you know, the veil, I understand. The veil is perfectly clear to me. Anyway, that's enough of that. If anyone wants to respond. No, this is Lemoyne. I think the one you missed is the <clears throat> the belief that the body is valuable for what it offers. No, I said that. No, okay. No. <laughs> I'd have to, I have to look too. I don't know because I, I, I tend to relate them. Go ahead, Lori. It's the fear of death. Um, oh. Is the th- is the third one the fear of death? And it could be uh, that the body is valuable for what is what it offers is in the fear of death, but um, uh, to me, the, well, you know what? Why don't I just turn a couple pages? The attraction of death. Yeah. Yeah, the attraction of death. The, the attraction of death. You're exactly right. Is um, is that thing that? Um, that says I can escape the world I see by just um, allowing my mind to die. <laughs> In other words, I can ex- escape conflict if I write the end of my story. Oh yeah, okay, this is all hell, but someday my body's gonna die and I'm attracted to that because now I don't have to try anymore. I don't have to try to um, cope with this world I don't need to look for the way out of the world I made I can just say at some point it's going to end and and that's the end I'm attracted to the idea of death because I'm afraid of life I'm afraid of life is the third one so uh, in real simple language for me the first fail is the desire to throw it away throw it away the first obstacle the piece the desire to throw it away because I'd prefer to have conflict I'd prefer to um, to go about having unforgiving thoughts and um, having conflict there's some conflict that I enjoy some conflict that I want and for it I would throw peace away Second obstacle, the belief the body is valuable for what it offers. Um, I enjoy pleasure. I have ego goals uh, that are very, very important to me. If I achieve X as I've assigned it, then um, that's going to be my definition of peace. Not God's definition of peace, but some particular goal I can believe, I believe I can achieve on my own. And would rather have than the real peace of God the belief the body is valuable for what it offers um, is what keeps me entangled in the world of pain, of pleasure but pleasure as it's determined by the body will always encompass pain because once I have that pleasure I'm afraid I'm going to lose it pain and pleasure centered around the body um, will keep me from the peace of God the third as we said the attraction of death is really I'm afraid of life I'm afraid of engaging I'm afraid of discovering what I really am and would rather write the end of my story 
there. And the fourth obstacle is fear of God. The fear of the God that I made. The God that I made out of condemnation and the belief that he judges me the same way I judge myself. And then finally, the lifting of the veil. Um, that recognition that I chose this journey for a very explicit purpose. And finding that purpose is all I desire. And you'll notice in this section, um, a herald, I call it a herald. The phrase, the Son of God. In that last paragraph, what you had faith in still is faithful and watches over you. Faith so gentle yet so strong that it would lift you far beyond the big veil and place what? And place what? Place what? Place the Son of God. I'm reminiscing, I'm remembering in the manual for teachers, the section, how many teachers of God does it take to save the world? Only one. Only one. That one. And maybe I'll read that when we get to the end of our end of our recorded time this morning. But that one for the recognition of truth becomes not the Son of Man, but the Son of God. It's a herald. A herald of our true identity as the one Christ self. Thus does the Son of Man become the Son of God, placed surely in the protection of his Father. Here is the only purpose. The Son of Man becomes the Son of God. And what is truly unveiled is the true capital identity we share. That's the unveiling. Recognizing that this outer dream is a dream we share in order that we can take the journey inward to the altar where the Son of Man becomes the Son of God. That's how I read this section very simply. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Uh, that was pretty amazing. I, I would like to kind of reframe it back to you, but uh, did you want to close the call? Or are we good? Oh, no. No, no, not yet. We've got 10 minutes. Oh, there's some okay. wisdom here to be heard. So what jumped out at me was the first one is the desire to get rid of peace. So I'm just... I'm just reframing it and putting it back out in case you want to make any, uh, you know, tweaks to my understanding. So the first one is really like, I like the drama. <laughs> you know, some people actually even like conflict. I can't understand it, but that would be like the first one. I don't want peace. I like my drama. I like my life. It's exciting or, you know, it feeds the ego on some level that it doesn't want to let go of it. The body, um, that, that the body is useful for what it is. I had a big conflict with that when, you know, being a mother and having babies and 
or wanting to have a romantic partner, you know, and having a sexual relationship and thinking that, you know, well, God gave us this body, can't we enjoy it? And thinking that spirituality would mean letting go of that and getting rid of that. According to what you said, the third thing, um, well, that makes me think about suicide, you know. I have a brother who committed suicide, and I know I was there a long time in my own mind, the thinking that I can escape. But there is no escape, you know, that that death would be the escape. Um, the fear of God, you said, is the fear of the God we made, the ego, false idea of what God is. Um, And I just want to say about lifting the veil, um, two things have been going on with me, spiritually speaking. One is that I feel like there's an an elemental, which is a word that from metaphysics that my community would use, you know, like a thought form slash feeling form like an entity that judges everything. It's just, it's just like firing off in my mind all the, all the time. And its big, um, its big theme is, I don't like this. It's like a little, a little child. I don't like this. I don't want this. Or I do like that, and I want that, and I don't have that. And um, I don't like what's going on. It's like the judgment of the present moment is firing and it's always in the negative. And um, so that's an inner thing that's happening with me. And then lifting the veil, it's like two dilemmas. There's this one person in the external world who I truly do love. But, you know, the way that he's manifesting is really hard to um, uphold the Christ in him all the time. I don't even know how to do that because the chaos is so intense. Even though I do love him and I know he is the Christ and my higher self knows absolutely that he is a divine being, it's the chaos that's, that happens around him all the time that's just, it's, it's, I can't even, I can't hold the two things together. Even though I truly believe, of course, he is the Christ. And the other one, of course, is is this political person who's in, like, the spotlight. And I, the only way I can say lift the veil is to see the innocent child of God within him that's like a little boy trying to get attention and trying to be loved and wanting to be liked. But it seems like a lot of... Um, a lot of mental efforting and conjuring to hold those things together. And it's, I find it very challenging. And I have a lot of fear of that person because I feel like he can, the consequences of his behavior and his actions is very scary in the world and on the world's view level. Anyway, um, thank you for letting me get all that off my mind. I mean, I do feel like I'm possessed sometimes by this really negative energy that's just like, I don't like this and I don't like that. And 
I keep reminding myself, don't judge, just open, be soft, extend love, breathe in love, breathe out love. You know, I'm one with God. God is with me. But but it feels like there's a person or a being that's inside of me that isn't me. And it just won't, it just won't leave me alone. I'm complete. I'm sorry if I went on too much. But, you know, if you want to say if I got those four things correct, that would be helpful. I'm complete. Oh, yeah. You sure did, Carrie. You sure did. And and as for um, as for those figures that occupy my mind that um, seem like obstacles to me, it helps me quite a bit. In fact, it helps me uh, a lot when I can recognize a person is not their behavior. Uh, a person person is as he was created, the same as me. Um, but he's not his behavior. And if I can lift my eyes above, you know, he says, see no one from the field of battle. If I can lift my eyes above the field, I recognize from there that the person is not his behavior. The person is as God created him, as much a part of me as uh, any other part of creation. Then I have allowed... Um, those things that are so disturbing uh, be released. I don't have to look there. I can look elsewhere from a different frame of reference. I'm complete. Thank you for that being so simple and so easy. When you say it like that, it's so easy. Thank you. This is Donna, and we're raised to have those kind of thoughts. That's what this world is. So I deal with all these that kind of stuff when it comes as, as a habitual bad habit of thinking. It's just old way of thinking. We're given a new way of seeing something in, in this book. And I would like to... There were two uh, sentences in 106, which popped out at me, and they had a lot of meaning to me. But, Laurie, earlier, and again, you confirmed it uh, with uh, something else you said, you, you spoke about the uh, 110, the journey and the peace. So, I'm, so what I saw in when you were speaking was that you were having and sharing with us a realization of reality. So the two sentences in 106, which caught my eye this morning, the first one was, it's almost Christmas, the time of resurrection. And the second one was, I gave the Holy Spirit for both of you. But I saw the Easter and I thought, oh, gee, it's not Easter time. That was my human habitual thinking of my past individual that doesn't have any uh, power over me anymore so i i'm going to read this again jesus said it's almost easter the time of resurrection i gave the holy spirit for both of you and then Laura, you you go to 110 and first of all you remind us toward the end of what you said that the dream is god's plan 
And what you gave such great reality to was the words journey and purpose. And you, you filled each one of those words with light and life. You gave understanding of the real purpose of the journey. And you, you claimed it by saying we have returned here to do this journey and fulfill this purpose. So, so for the oneness of the sonship is how I interpreted what you said. We forget that. You gave us those, that beautiful realization and, 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 and drawing our minds back out of our stupor and of all the things that we learned wrong, the human condition thought system, the carnal mind is, is opposed to God, as St. Paul calls it. The realization of reality. And in that, in that beautiful little, I don't know what to call it, I love to give it some, a word. For some reason, the word dissertation comes to me, but I have no idea what that word means. But you just so laid it out so beautifully and drew in your picture of speaking also the rest of God that had come in our lesson. God said, everything is very good. He finished his labor and he rested. And then you explained to us, the dream is God's plan. Yes, this is a dream. We look out on a world that is a dream world. And, and the ego would tell you, well, I made this and you're stuck here with ever. In the olden days, Jesus used the word Satan and devil because that's where people's mentality were. So the human condition thought system has got caught up and usurped God's plan, quote unquote, the dream. But nothing can usurp God's plan. It just helps to know we are safe in God's hand in this timeless now, right now, no matter what's going on. Whether we are walking through a little bit of hell or whether we're walking through a little bit of heaven, God's there. He's beside us. His Holy Spirit imbues us with a guarantee of eternal life now, in this timeless now, and in time as well. Thank you, Lori, because you gave light to something. It's so beautiful to hear it come out of someone else's mouth, knowing it's come from your, a place in your consciousness that is very holy and one with me. Thank you, Lori. I am complete. Uh. Donna, the mind we share is shared by all our brothers. Amen. The mind we share is shared by all our brothers. And, yeah, this is Lemoyne. I'm not immediately in touch with it, but the purpose, the journey being fulfilled by the purpose is, been a, a quiet theme earlier, you know, building to this. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I want to respond, I'll try to make it quick here, Laurie, to, oh, to Karen as well on this thing of the fear of God. Because surely the fear of God is the ego or, you know, uh, 
harsh and strident religion would propose God as judger and, and um, you know, God as like king in in their in a <laughs> well in the historical perspective, you know, easily with the power to take anyone's life and things like that. That that God is an object of fear. Um, that that is that is one certainly one meaning of it that tends to serve for most people in the work. The, the presence of that in religion had me thinking, this is not, you know, this can't be the answer, right? And so it does, it does work to turn people away from truth uh, in the sense of eternal truth. Um, but I think there's another sense where the fear of God, it's like beyond the fear of death, you can still, you know, getting beyond that, you can still have a fear of God that to enter into union, to enter into heaven, is to, you know, see God in all things, to be in in present union with God. And that is also can also be viewed as a source of fear that, oh, I'm just going to disappear. You know, there's nothing left of me in that. And that, you know, that, um, now one thing I wanted to say originally is that everyone, what's common to all of them is, is a judgment we've laid upon life for the world or God. And so, and to return to the solution, which is purpose, which I think is, is, beautifully expressed in Course of Love, that the purpose of the way things are is to, um, to use the Course of Miracles term, is to enter into holy relationship with everything and return to heaven, right? And being, that's, not, that's the purpose of the journey that makes it meaningful. And that is also a return to God and it involves getting past any fear for ourselves in that, and that we would disappear. And that, I think that can be accomplished by understanding that if the purpose is to is to expand being by bringing in relationship in unity, you know, in unity being in union and relationship or unity and relationship is if that's the purpose then no we were create not created to disappear back in but to um, express and experience this holy relationship and so that I think is an answer to the to the deeper existential fear of God that we would just disappear into it <clears throat> when we were created to be in a relationship with him. <laughs> so, anyway, um, with that, I'm complete. Oh, that was just excellent, LeMoyne. 
Excellent. Expansion. That was amazing, really amazing, including the part about relationships, because... Hold on a sec. Uh, Please tell it was flexible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Um, The fear of relationship rooted in the ego, you know, all the times I've been hurt and all that other stuff, once again, projected on God, projected on life. Life is to be terrified of or protected against. Um, Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you so much. I'm complete. Just beautiful. I don't know. um, Hi, it's Jude. Um, Lori, what you said and emphasized what what it says in the text and emphasizes is that we can't restore the awareness of our own innocence, that we need to practice the means given to us, practice every each and every encounter as a holy encounter, using the holy instant to let go. And all the means are a means of letting go of my personal interpretation, my own personal judgment on the world, because I recognize it's disturbing my peace. When I see things, um, people that are saying or doing things that I feel in my heart, no, that aren't right, they aren't loving, they're hurtful, they're harmful, that it's not for me to judge that, because if I'm seeing it in them, I haven't forgiven it in myself. And this is something that really was important, so essentially important to my realizing that I am one with myself as one self and my father, and that I could step back and overlook anything that my body's eyes would perceive and know as a projection and know, see, trans, see transparently through and know that's not the truth of who they are. But the holy instant, the holy encounter, and the, the way that it undoes the personal egoic self in Jude is that Jude's responses are not responses of love, and that's when I, I know I've lost my peace. So it's a reaction. It's a personal reaction, and it's, it's a one of conflict. I'm in conflict with what I see, and only an illusion can conflict with an illusion. It's an egoic response to the perception of another ego. So it's really an understanding how specifically Judy relates to her own situations and circumstances so that I I learn to apply the holy encounter practice, the holy instant practice, and going to the teacher of truth. When but now can the truth be recognized? Only when I know I'm disturbing my own peace. And nobody needs to be saved except me. It's not about me fixing or changing the world or anybody in it. It's about changing the way I am looking at it or restoring my own awareness to my state of heaven, my state of peace, my state of limitless joy, my state of innocence. 
to God's state of reality, my own state of reality intrudes. I need to be restored to it. And that's what I hear Lori say, heard Lori say, we cannot restore ourselves to our own innocence. That's what that shouts. And that's what shouts the herald and the hallelujah at the same time. Because to forgive is really the last illusion. The forgetting that the dream of judgment, it's a dream of judgment. The ego superimposes its judgment on God's beautiful creation. And this is what greed makes of it. This is what pride makes of it. This is what selfish, um, self-centeredness, um, envy and jealousy and lust and greed, all those nasty things make of it because the ego wants to get for itself. It wants to take for itself. And so that's the veil to me. The ego is the veil, but the ego is my veil over my eyes. And I'm the one that has to lift it. I have to know that I am dreaming this dream of judgment. I'm the judger. It's Judge Judy that's doing this to herself. Only I can crucify. And that's when the truth becomes really easy and obvious and universally applicable when you practice it immediately now in every daily situation that it becomes clear that it's universally applicable. No matter where I go, there I am. I'm the problem. I'm the Judge Judy. I'm the one disturbing my peace. I'm the one that's slicing and dicing up the totality of the beauty of God's given everything. Everything is a gift. I didn't earn it. I don't have to deserve it. It's all a gift. And it's already, always, and forever mine. And the seeing of that wholeness and completion. I wouldn't allow one thing to come between aware, my awareness of its holiness, God's everything, in everything, as everything. I wouldn't let, it's one thought that separates heaven, separates me from heaven and puts me in hell. And that's one thought of judgment. It's all it takes. And I, I, I am responsible for what I think and how I see. Either I see heaven and I see God and everything, or I'm looking for judgment and looking to crucify, looking to judge and condemn. And that puts everybody in hell and my whole worldview of that. So there's no guilt on the world that Judge Judy hasn't laid upon it, has only but laid upon it. The world is either innocent or it's all guilty. So I think that's so very important for me to recognize and remember. There is no veil. I'm the one that puts on the glasses and changes my view of it. So here's to the hallelujah of resurrection and the second coming of Christ, that we wake up from the dream, recognize that Christ has always already been here. The reality has never changed. It's just the ego superimposition of its judgment upon it. I live and breathe. I'm breathing God. I'm swimming in God. I see and touch and smell God. Every sense is an experience of God. There's no place where God is not. Within me or without outside of me. 
everything is God. And with that, I am complete. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Judy. That was fun. I love that share. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want to speak? Who was that? That said amen. No. Uh, just saying amen to what Judy just said. Oh, and no. I really Did appreciate you? her words. Thank you. Did you want to say something else, Chris? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, not at this time. I'd rather hear what you have to share. And, oh, and okay. starseed in the background, what she's sharing, too. She's <laughs> sharing. Yeah, I, I, it's becoming really clear to me that, and it's just so simple, that I need to forgive the body experience because it's limited. And, and, and humans who don't know that they, are, that, they, that, that they are one with their creator are limited. Period, and I just and it's because they they don't know who they are. I need to forgive that and hold the space for them to remember who they are. So it's just it's it's not personal. It's just simply forgiving the body experience. I'm complete, which is limited. <laughs> thank you so thank much you, for that. I so thank you for that. You know, it came to me one day, and it made me laugh out loud, that, you know, Jude's judgment on the world, it's like a bumblebee um, shouting its interpretation of what reality is. When the bumblebee knows what it is, it knows that it's an interbeingness. It's a part of the whole. It doesn't think of it itself as being separate from anything. You know, it's, it's one with the bee, other bees. It's one with the flowers. It's one with the air that's flying around. It's one with the sun that shows the light on the flowers. It doesn't think of itself as separate. Neither does a dog or a tree or a, or a cat or any, 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 any and every living thing doesn't think of itself as separate. Um, you know, the, the idea that we're separate and alone it just seems like such a obviously false, untrue, impossible statement that, you know, it's, it's obviousness is something that we ignore. We, and that's what we ignore. We ignore the totality of our interbeingness, that we are one being, all being in one public, happy, joyous event, that it's the dance of everything being related, the way Lemoyne so beautifully spoke of. That, that in that joining and that union of beingness is, is our holy relationship. That's what the holy relationship is. And, you know, it's, it's something that primitive tribes lived and breathed naturally. But all of a sudden we got so complicated and so up in our heads thinking about who we were that we lost the obvious. I know. That was so lovely. <laughs> I am complete. <laughs> and Laurie, you were going to read to us. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was. 
You know, um, here I sit now. Everybody touched so many wonderful things. I have a bazillion tabs open. Um, but what I was told before the call this morning was that we were going to close. We were going to close with. Um, we were going to close with the inner picture. And so I have that tab open first. The blind become accustomed to their world by their adjustments to it. They think they know their way around in it. They've learned it not through joyous lessons, but through the stern necessity of limits which they believe they could not overcome. And still believing this, they hold those lessons dear and cling to them because they cannot see. They do not understand the lessons keep them blind. They define their life and where they live, adjusting to it as they think they must, afraid to lose the little that they have. And so it is with all who see the body is all they have and all their brothers have. They try to reach each other and they fail and fail again and adjust to loneliness, believing that to keep the body is to save what little they have. Listen and try to think if you remember what we'll speak of now. Listen, perhaps you catch a hint of an ancient state not quite forgotten. Dim perhaps and yet not altogether unfamiliar. Like a song whose name is long forgotten in the circumstances in which you heard it, completely unremembered. Not the whole song has stayed with you, but just a little wisp of melody attached not to a person or a place or anything in particular, but you remember from just this little part how lovely was the song, how wonderful the setting where you heard it, and how you loved those who were with you there and listened with you. The notes are nothing, yet you've kept them with you, not for themselves, but as a soft reminder of what would make you weep if you remembered how dear it was to you. You could remember, yet you are afraid, believing that you would lose the world you learned since then, and yet you know that nothing in the world you learned is half so dear as this. Listen and see if you remember an ancient song you knew so long ago and held more dear than any melody you taught yourself to cherish since. Beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see and yet somehow familiar is an arc of golden light that stretches as you look into a great and shining circle. And all the circle fills with light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear and what is in it is no longer contained at all. The light expands and covers everything extending to infinity, forever shining and with no break or limit anywhere. Within it, everything is joined in perfect continuity, nor is it possible to imagine that anything could be outside, for there is nowhere that this light is not. This is the vision of the Son of God, whom you know well. Here is the sight of him who knows his Father. Here is the memory of what you are. A part of this, with all of it within and joined to all as surely as all is joined in you.
except this vision, which can show you this, and not the body. You know the ancient song and know it well. Nothing will ever be as dear to you as this ancient hymn of love the Son of God sings to his Father still. The light in one awakens it in all, and when you see it in each other, you are remembering for everyone. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for all the doors you open into the one mind we share. It's just a glory to be in your company. And I'm so, so, so grateful. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, everyone.